Well, it's Easter. He is risen. Let's try that again, right? He is risen. I love that. We should actually say that every Sunday, shouldn't we? Um, this is a good day. This is like the Super Bowl for church, you know? The only thing that are missing are some chili cheese fries, right? This is a good day because, you know, this is the day when we celebrate. Now, we celebrate every Sunday that, that Jesus is risen, but, but this is the day when the world actually stops for a moment and is wondering, is this stuff really true? You know, it's a day when we gather together to embrace one another and to actually, you know, remember that death and evil have both been defeated, both of them, because of this unbelievable act of love that God has done for us. We don't have to be afraid of death anymore. We don't have to be afraid of the lasting effects of death anymore. This is why we can be joyful in the good and joyful in the difficult circumstances. This is why we can be confident even whenever the world is swept up in uncertainty because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is that same power that is given to those who choose to believe. Amen? It's all because of love. All of it. So as we begin today, let's begin with some gratitude and let's thank God together for giving us the ability to meet and the privilege of being called children of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this, this beautiful day. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to, to be together and to celebrate and to uh, just lift up your name together. Thank you for Jesus and the sacrifice he made. Lord, all too often we want to come to this Sunday morning and just be excited and be joyful and that's all good, but we need to remember that there was a Friday. There was a day whenever you chose you actually chose to suffer and die for us. You chose to be uncomfortable. You chose to, to be given over to, to men who do not know God and do not care to know Him. You chose to be beaten for us. You chose to face death so we would not have to anymore. Thank you for Sunday. Thank you for Sunday morning. Thank you for submitting yourself oh, Lord you have done this for us and we are grateful be with the words that are spoken this morning and be with the hearts that are listening the ears that are hearing In Jesus name amen all right so uh, just a quick announcement um, we are going to Israel I'm taking a group to Israel in 2023 there's a brochure right in the very back lobby we tried to do this in 2020 we weren't able to because COVID hit and uh, so now we're going back I'm very excited if you're interested there's there's a brochure in the back uh, find me after I'll give you some more info you can uh, you know find out all you want but I would love it if you were able to uh, consider this um, this past weekend, we were able to do a Johnson Street Family Retreat. This is an annual retreat that we do uh, each and every year. It's been going on for quite some time, and it is one of those that is it's just super fun. You get to experience nature. You get to play games. You get to worship with one another. Um, you get to know people a little better than you do just on, on this hour on a Sunday. Uh, you get to know people in, in many different ways. You know, um, There was one of... Uh, one night, a lot of us were playing Uno at a table, and uh, sweet little Lydia Gomez joins us. Um, Lydia is seven years old, and man, she is on, she's a fireball. I just I love this one. And uh, so she says, yeah, I'm going to play. We told her, hey, you need to know, this is all Kristen Lassiter's doing. We're playing Savage Uno. Savage. 
Okay, there's no limit to the cards you can get. Um, as you can tell, I didn't do very well. But, <laughs> but we're <laughs> I just kept drawing. Savage Uno is really hard. And, and Lydia found out and heard the word savage, and she, she's like, I'm in. She's all in. And, and so she's into it, right? In fact, at one point, she says really loudly, i got to read this to get it right. She says, you know what? I'm a really good player. And if it has to do with pizza or ribbons, don't get in my way. <laughs> I just thought that was fantastic. But I tried. I tried to get in her way. But she won. She actually won. Seven years old, and she won. Beat all of us. And, I, and so I'm ready for a rematch next year, next year. What I love about this family retreat is you get to spend time with people and what we did at the very end of this is that we took time uh, Phil led this moment of blessing over our children we intentionally tried to bless our kids you know our kids need blessing our teens our families need blessing they need to know what comes from paying attention to one another they need to know that when you choose God as a core part of your family when you choose God over everything else that he has promised to bless us. So we in turn bless our children. It was great. And I, I hope you're able to come next year because there's just a lot of fun that happens and there will be one Uno game that you won't want to miss. Um, we're finishing up Romans today and what I just said, it'll, it'll kind of tie in because we're talking about, about blessing today. Um, we're going to be in Romans 9 through 11 uh, just stepping back a little bit, I'm, I'm finishing up this series kind of towards the end, but not actually at the end of the chapter. But you just need to remember that the Roman church that Paul's writing to, it's, it's not just one big giant mega church, right? There are several different congregations, probably seven to ten small house churches, maybe um, 30 to 40 people each. So they're kind of scattered around uh, Jerusalem. They've got Jews, they've got Gentiles, they have wealthy, they have, they have the slaves, they have the moral, they have the recently immoral right these are a mixed group of people for sure but Paul loved these people had he ever met them no but he loved them he knew some of them and one thing that inspires me and humbles me about the apostle Paul is that he wanted everyone to be saved he wanted everyone to be saved do we have that same desire sometimes I'm iffy right Depends on who the person is. Especially if they are trying to hurt me in some way or make me feel badly about myself. I struggle with, uh. Paul, he wanted everyone to be saved. Shouldn't we? I mean, here on Easter Sunday, are we passionate about making sure that people find salvation? I hope so. So today we're looking at Romans chapter 9. Through 11, and I'm going to be doing another high flyover. Okay, I can't get into all the specifics because there's a lot, but I'm going to be paying attention to a couple things that Paul says specifically. Um, in chapter 8, Paul just finishes telling his reader how awesome God is and how much they are loved, how they are more than conquerors, how these are people who um, are so loved by God that nothing can separate that love from them. Nothing can get in the way and separate the love of God from his people. And God loves them. But Paul also 
deeply loves them. So listen to what he says at the very beginning of chapter 9. He says this, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption to sonship. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. He's telling them, listen, Israel had it all. And Jesus is what the entire course of human history has been pointing to. It's Jesus. Jesus is the answer to the promises of God. But many in the Jewish community weren't quite convinced. And this is what troubles Paul so greatly. Because he himself is a Jew and he loves his people. So he asks this question. I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. He says this, Well then, has God failed to fulfill his promise to Israel? No. For not all who are born into the nation of Israel are truly members of God's people. Being descendants of Abraham doesn't make them truly Abraham's children. For the scriptures say, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted, though Abraham had other children too. This means that Abraham's physical descendants are not necessarily children of God. Only the children of the promise are considered to be Abraham's children. This is a huge statement. Now remember, in the very beginning of Romans, Paul makes this idea, he, he, uh, this, this argument, telling the listener that we cannot sit in judgment on someone else because of their sin, because we are likely to have done or will do the exact same thing. Can't sit in judgment on them whenever we do the same things. We're all sinners. But the love of God has been given to us. God made the first move because of love. And Jesus is this perfect person. Jesus was this perfect sacrifice. He was everything we couldn't be fully. So God looks at Jesus and he saw him as enough. God saw Jesus as the ultimate fulfillment of everything he'd been working for, of the whole law, everything. He saw him as the ultimate fulfillment of the promise he made to Abraham so long ago and to the Jewish people. Jesus was enough. And because of his life, because of Jesus' death, and because of his resurrection, the Spirit of God was just it was unleashed into the world. And the Spirit was now ready to inhabit, to dwell with those who are ready to believe, those people who are choosing to believe. And his Spirit wasn't just ready to dwell or inhabit people. His Spirit was ready to transform, to make new to reveal the righteousness of God in and through anyone who believes. So when you choose to believe, you actually become children of the promise. It's a choice with eternal consequences. And when you choose Jesus, what you're doing is you're choosing to be blessed 
You're choosing blessing. You're choosing life. But many in the Jewish community that were around Paul, they weren't believing, even though this was originally a promise for them. And so Paul says this. He says in Romans 10, 5 through 7, he says, brothers and sisters, I don't know if this is the right one here. I don't have it here. I'll just, I'm just going to read it. It says this, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God, they sought to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. So here he is restating his main idea about how the righteousness of God is going to be revealed to us. It's been given to us. But before it can be revealed to us, we have to submit to it. We have to believe, and it's an act of faith, really. There's nothing magic that happens. It's an act of faith to believe that when you choose to believe Jesus is who he says he is, God's going to fulfill his end of the bargain. It's an act of faith and trust that some of these people around Paul weren't quite ready to make. Because even though they had the law and they did their best to live by it, it had become this set of do's and don'ts. You know, faith and love, they weren't Really, in the picture, they had been slowly removed from the equation. And by doing so, this spiritual ecology began to erode. It began to, um, I don't know, it just began to kind of break down. And so Paul says this in, uh, in 5, 10, 5. Uh, Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. This is an odd little phrase to be in the middle of Romans. But what Paul's doing is he's referring back to something that was written thousands of years before. I mean, uh, he was referring back to Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 30, something that Moses was telling his people. Uh, Moses is talking about the law that God gave to his people. And, and he's telling them, listen, you don't need to go to heaven to, to get the law. I've already I brought it to you. God, God gave it to us. We don't have to go trying our best to reach it. God's given it to you. It's been given through Moses. So all you have to do is to obey it. And I know some of us may look at the law and all, all, everything we know about the Jewish law as unrealistic. But, but it really wasn't. If you, look in, uh, if you listen to what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11, uh, this is what, what Moses says. He says, now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult to you or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. No, it is not beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea and get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? No, he says the word is very near to you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. So you may obey it. Now Paul refers to this because it is exactly the same thing with Christ. 
We don't need to go to heaven to find Christ. We don't need to be just as perfect as Christ was. You know why? Because he came to us. So now all we have to do is to believe and obey. And if you start pulling the thread at Paul's argument, then you start seeing, oh, if he mentioned this in Deuteronomy 30, what else is in Deuteronomy? Well, 27 through 30 are a list of blessings and curses. What happens whenever you choose to obey and what happens when you choose not to obey? Blessings and curses. When someone chooses to incorporate God into their very way, their walk, their life, their living and breathing, when they choose to follow God with all, there are, with all they are, then what happens, what follows, are consequences that are blessed. And it says he will bless you wherever you are. He'll bless your family. He's going to bless your crops, your land, your livestock, your children, your finances. He's going to bless it all with life. But for those who do not choose God or his way, the consequences aren't a blessed life, but a cursed one. So back in the 1900s, sounds weirder when you say that, doesn't it? Back in the 1900s, in Yosemite National Park, the farmers and ranchers were having a hard time with wolves, and, and they, I guess, over a period of a long time, they ended up eradicating the wolves out of Yosemite because um, they were killing their livestock, and it was just a really bad thing, so they found a way to remove them. Uh, they, I guess they were almost extinct, but when they decided to remove them, an unintended consequence happened. The whole landscape started to change. The bear population started to struggle. The birds weren't as frequent anymore. The rivers were dirtier than normal. The most obvious were the deer, the elk, and all those types of animals had become out of control. Eating anything and everything. They were eating grasses, they were eating berries, they were eating trees. Now the park was still beautiful, but it was unbalanced and it was eroding. So they were trying to figure out what to do. They couldn't quite eradicate the population enough, so what they did was they said, hey, let's just bring back wolves. So they reinserted about 41 wolves into this 748,000 acres of land. That's a lot of acres, 748,000. 20 years later, they start looking, and what they discovered is that Since they introduced 41 wolves into this vast land, the rivers started to change their shape. How? Oddly enough, wolves. (laughs) How? Well, there's consequences that happen to every choice that you make. When they introduced wolves back into the ecology, what happened was the herds of deer and elk began to move back up into the hills area, and they moved away from those flat grasslands next to the rivers. Um, the grasslands started to grow again, which meant critters started to come. You have uh, rabbits and, and, and mice, and, and then that meant that predators started to return. You know, you have foxes and badgers and hawks, and, and then other birds started to come. And, and since the deer weren't eating all the trees, then there were now berries to eat before the bears went to hibernate. And so the bear population has grown. And, and because the trees were now large, 
large and full, the songbirds returned. And now that there were trees, river animals returned. You had otters, and then you had beavers. Beavers. In 1995, there was one family that they found of beavers in, in, in Yosemite. One family. Since then, there have become over, t- over 10 big, large colonies of beavers. And what do they do? They start messing with the trees and and damming up the rivers and they do what they do and the rivers started to become cleaner and and the fish started to become more healthy and because all the deer weren't spending all their time at the riverbanks the soil was no longer eroding now the soil was getting harder and firmer and it was shaping and resulting in a different way for the river The sounds, the smells, the sights, it was healthier, cleaner, refreshed, fundamentally different, and no longer eroding. All because they chose to reintroduce something that was always supposed to be there. Now what Paul is doing here is he's rooting his argument into this idea of choice because when you choose to believe in Jesus, to reintroduce him into your way of being, then you're choosing life. So in chapters 10 and 11, what he's saying is that just because you're Jewish doesn't mean you're automatically in. And just because you're a Gentile doesn't mean you're automatically out. Because what happens is God is redesigning his family tree. He's grafting new branches in. He's choosing to remove those branches who don't want to be there, who've chosen to not be there. And what I love is that he's ready to redesign the shape of all of our futures. Grafting in people from all people groups and ages And God is ready to reveal his righteousness to all who believe. But belief comes through choice. Choice. If you choose life, then blessed consequences will follow. What does Paul say? He says, as Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile the same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved saved from what you ask from the lasting effects of death because of what God did through Jesus 2,000 years ago what this means now is new and lasting life choosing the Lord is to choose life but choosing anything else is to choose death to choose Jesus is to choose blessing to choose anything else is to choose to be cursed I know we don't get up in the morning thinking I'm going to choose to be cursed today but if you choose anything besides God besides Jesus you're choosing to be cursed I know that sounds harsh but every every choice has consequences some good some bad And all of our choices are ours alone. Your choice, your choices are yours alone. You can't blame anyone else for the choices that you make. They're yours alone. To choose to believe in God and what he did through Jesus Christ is to choose to follow blessing. To choose 
not to believe or to choose yourself and think, you know what, I got it. I can manage it. I'll have a little bit of Jesus here and there, but I'm really good on my own. To choose yourself, to choose not to believe, is to choose to be cursed. And by the way, there's no such thing as indecision. Indecision is still a choice. I wish there were more options. But this is the way. And to choose life is the best option God has come up with. Because it's life, joy, peace. And God loves you so much, y'all. He loves you so much that, that he's giving you the ability to make the choice for yourself. He's given you the ability to choose. He loves you that much. And if you don't want him, he loves you so much, nothing's gonna separate you from that. But if you are fighting and choosing to not follow God and you're like, just, I don't want it, he loves you so much, he'll probably let you walk your way. He's not gonna force you into anything. I mean, hear me now, the consequences of the things that you choose to believe will shape you, it'll shape your present, it'll shape your future, it'll shape the future of your family, your relationships, your eternity. As our praise team comes up, I just got a couple questions. What is it that you have chosen to believe? Because our actions say a lot about our choices. What our choices say reveals a lot about who we are and what we really want. And maybe it's time right now for you to reintroduce God into your spiritual ecology. Not as a guest, but as a permanent resident. A little secret, he's always, was always meant to be there. I'm just going to encourage you, choose him. Watch the cascading effects of how your choices begin to reshape your life. For I believe he wants everyone to be saved. Everyone. So much, so much more in these three chapters of Romans. But Paul reminds us of these words that Moses spoke to his people. And these are words that I want to remind you of as well. And I'm going to, I'm going to close with this. I'm going to close with this scripture, but I'm going to tell you, as we sing in a moment, there will be people around this room. If you just need prayer, find us. If you want to pray for one of us, because we need it too, find us. I'm going to close with these words, and I, as Moses spoke these to his people, I'm speaking them to you too. And Consider this my charge and encouragement to you. On Easter Sunday, when we celebrate what life looks like, hear this challenge. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. Amen.